Um, that, you can take it whatever way you want, but that that one kind of yeah. shook me. You know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna read a little something that it's a quote from somebody. Okay, in a, in a second, but I want to talk about personnel on this album. Now you've got okay, Iggy yeah. Pop obviously on lead vocals. You got James Williamson on guitar. Yeah. He was brought in on the last album, Raw Power. Okay, right. So he was yeah. kind of new to the band by the time this recorded. Uh, Ron Ashton who originally played guitar. He had moved over to bass. He's on bass on this. You got Scott Rock Ashton on drums, his brother. And then you had a guy named Scott Thurston on piano and harmonica and some backing vocals. Okay. Now, um, in the essay by Lester Bangs, the great writer from Cream Magazine. Of course. He wrote something called Iggy Pop, Blowtorch in Bondage. Okay, and 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 that, he basically that's hot. said that's hot. Yeah, he <laughs> basically said that this album is a documentation of the Iggy Holocaust at its most nihilistically out of control. Okay, and he describes the Stooges concert he saw that was right before the Metallic KO shows. Okay, okay, because they had gone back to Detroit and played a bunch of shows. Now. I'm going to read this because I think this cool. just yeah, read it, hits read it. it. Okay? I'd like to hear it. This, sure. is, this is from Lester Bangs. Okay? Okay. He, says, he says, the audience, which consisted largely of bikers, was unusually hostile. And Iggy, <laughs> as, you, as, as usual, fed on that hostility, soaked it up and gave it back, and absorbed it all over again in an eerie, frightening symbiosis. All right, he finally said, stepping, uh, stopping a song in the middle. You assholes want to hear Louie Louie? We'll give you Louie Louie. So the Stooges played a 45-minute version of Louie Louie, yeah. including new lyrics improvised by the pop on the spot, right. consisting of, you can suck my ass, you biker <laughs> faggot sissies, etc. Okay. Jesus. <laughs> by, now, the, by now, the hatred in the room was one huge, livid wave, and Iggy <laughs> singles it out the one heckler who has been particularly abusive. He says, listen, asshole, you heckle me one more time and I'm going to come down there and kick your ass. Fuck you, you little punk, responds the biker. So Iggy jumps off the stage, runs through the middle of the crowd, and the guy then beats the shit out (laughs) ending the evening's musical festivities by sending the lead singer back to his motel room and a doctor. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, He says, says, I walked into the dressing room where I encountered the manager of the club offering to punch out anybody in the band who will take them on. The next day, the biker gang who calls themselves the Scorpions will phone WABX-FM and promise to kill Iggy and the Stooges if they play the Michigan Palace on Thursday night. We'll be there tomorrow night. They they, they do. Okay, they play. And nobody gets killed, but Metallica is the only rock album I know where you can actually hear hurled beer bottles breaking against guitar strings. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, Lester, Lester said it perfectly. That's okay? good. This, well, you got, yeah, you got to give it to Lester. I mean, uh, yeah. You know, we got some great writers out there yeah. now, but yeah. but yeah, that. Uh, so you know, when I was listening to this because it was my homework, uh, I was digging it. But um, there's no way to get the vibe off the record. But uh, having you know, Lester said it best. But uh, so I'll just say Iggy of just fearless as fuck. 
and mm-hmm. uh, and arguably the first punk rocker, or, or just or just a straight up punk. Oh, the Godfather know? of punk. And he but he, he, he wasn't he, he just yeah. wasn't going to take it. He was like, you know what? Yeah, and and just throwing the f word around. Fuck you, faggot. I'll, we'll yeah. do it right now. You right. biker mother. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, knowing he full well he would get his head smashed in. <laughs> well, he's <laughs> so, not a big guy. Oh no, you know? Jesus I mean, he, Christ! He, he's I'm, big I'm, when he's on stage, but not in person. I, I'm not a big. <laughs> I'm not a big guy, and I'm I'm pretty sure I'll probably tower over him right now but uh yeah, he's, he's yeah. not a big guy at all and but. i'm a little guy but but uh he um you gotta give it to him i mean just the balls yeah. and uh you know uh so but so but that climate um let's talk about the music i guess that climate and that confrontational crazy spirit that he had um like i said knowing full well he was going into chaos um Let's talk about the music. You think that show was uh, the music reflected that, or well, the interesting thing about the music yeah. is that a lot of the tracks, and I'll go over them. Like, like the original release um, was only let's see, it was it was one, two, three, four, five, six songs. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Now, over the years, it's been expanded, and they've 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 had the two complete shows on two discs. I've seen that. Okay, yeah, yeah, and, sure. and that's what I have, and I think it's great, but. The original release started off with Raw Power, which was a studio track that from the title track from their last album. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But then they also did tracks like Head On, Cock in My Pocket, and Give Rich, Me Danger. Rich, Rich I mean, Bitch. Yeah. yeah. Give, Rich Give Bitch. Me Dan- yeah. Give Me Danger was also on Raw Power. But yep. what they were doing with this this tour uh, between 73 and 74 is, is they were they were playing live a lot of tracks that were never recorded in the studio they were gonna be right right but yeah. the but the band imploded yeah okay yeah, yeah. and you know a lot of those those tracks uh you know never officially got released now over the right. years they've all come out because of the bootlegs and bomb sure, records released sure, a lot of yeah. that shit and yeah. and uh you know well didn't they remix all of raw power or like it, it just wasn't yeah. recorded well i mean it's a it's uh, well a real... we did a show on that all right so, okay and, okay and, and yeah you're right um it's saltini and i think people i, well, I, I want to muddy I, really muddy is, is, and is well then the guitars yeah. were way tinny, uh, for me too down but, yeah too, but um yeah. but i i want to say even bowie got on board and was like we need to mat like remix and remaster this thing well bowie so, did the original mixing okay well that's okay. what i'm thinking of. and I'm that's sorry. the that's the mix that people say is not good now you know, yeah when we okay. discussed that on the show uh I, I i basically gave my opinion that i think that that's bullshit oh well, all right I, well I, did, I i think it could have been better but right. i mean it, it to me it doesn't take away anything from it it's still okay. a nihilistic proto-punk album that's like no other. No, I now, hear you. Iggy, well, Iggy you're went, a purist. You're a purist. You're yeah, probably like, you know what, just take it, take it in its purest form. Exactly. You know, yeah, I you, got know, you. you gotta I got understand you. where it comes yeah. from and the year it came out and, and that's life. The circumstances it was recorded in. That's right, life. Right. Yeah, yeah, I got you. <laughs> now now there's a couple of things interesting with this. Now, uh, originally, like I said, the recording was a bootleg and it was recorded in October nineteen seventy-three and nineteen and February nineteen seventy-four. The February 9th show, okay, um, was the last show the Stooges would do until they reunited back in 2003. 
All right, so it would okay. be their last show for 29 years. Well, but, did they know it was going? No. To, oh, that's what I'm no, asking. No. Yeah, well, okay. I think they, I, yeah, I think they broke up like the next day or something like that. You well, know, yeah, I'm not, trying was... to, I'm not trying to move too fast, but I find that we did talk about that, uh, you know, personally. But, uh, yeah, they, it just sounded, like you said, they were imploding, and uh, there was yeah. only one way it was going to go. But, um, anyway, but so on this record, we, you capture it with this recording. You know, yeah, um, you know, just un- a band unintentionally. It yeah, was, it was recorded as the last show. Okay? Yeah, well, it's like they didn't even hit the wall; they just hit like infinity. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah. Now, Sky Dog Records put it out, okay, uh, and they had originally released it almost as like a bootleg, but they did have the help of James Williamson because James Williamson actually had the original masters of these recordings. Okay. Uh, it was recorded on reel to reel by a guy named Michael Tipton. Okay. That was affiliated with the studios somehow. Tipton. Um, but, was he English by any chance? I, I tell you the truth. I'm really not sure who he was, okay. uh, but, but he, uh. but he got the masters to what James Williamson, he Williamson acquired him. So it's kind of a semi bootleg. Okay. Cause it was okay. released by somebody in the studios. Um, but the interesting thing is that it outsold. Now check this out: it outsold the major studio releases of of their three prior albums. See, isn't that funny? Okay, yeah. so it sold over a hundred thousand copies in America as an import. Yep. In its first year alone. All right. Yeah. So what that yeah. means is people were paying top dollar for a live album. And of of a band that didn't exist anymore was already broken up two years, okay, right. uh-huh. okay, and you know that those sales were more than the actual records they did before that live record. Sure, and with Iggy too. I mean, again, on the punk rock tip, if you will, or whatever. Um, but he he really was. Uh, I mean, back then it was word of mouth. You know, because he he wasn't huge. You know, people knew who no. he was, and but he was it, a nut. But that's right. a lot of fucking records. Well, <laughs> like by seven by seventy six, he had two solo records out already, I believe. Okay, the stuff, the stuff with Bowie, the Lust for Life, and you know, mm-hmm. uh, the Idiot and stuff like that was being recorded. He was he was working with Bowie. Yeah. Uh, but punk rock had happened, and 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 punk rock by seventy six, the people were citing Iggy as a big influence. So there was a interest again in what they were doing. Like they, right, the Stooges right. were so far ahead of their time that even by the time I think they reunited in 2003, when I finally got to see right. them, okay, yeah. uh, I think they were still ahead of their time. Okay? I, you know, I, it, I, it, I agree. I agree. All right? yeah, it just yeah. was, you know, some people, it's either you get the Stooges or you don't. You know? Well, it's you know, like, I'm, I don't want to get off track and I'm, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt, but, you know, when I look at that era, uh, because, I'm, you know, I, was, I know hardcore, I know whatever, I know, um, what I was brought up in. But when I look at that, because, you know, I was into Hendrix, the doors, but it took a leap. And, uh, but, you know, I put uh, Iggy and then I guess it's a Detroit thing, but like an MC five category, you know, they were yeah, very different, were but, but I was like, but it was, it was punk, it, you know, punk music. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't, um, you know, summertime blues, you know, no, no. Well, it wasn't you know, humble pie. No, it wasn't, it wasn't humble pie. They were not, inter- they were noisy, noise rock, early noise rock, yeah. if you will, you know. So, anyway, did you, you know, speaking yeah. of Morrison, right? Did you ever see, I'm sure you have, the, the famous pictures of him in those brown leather pants? 
Oh sure, yeah. Okay. No, you know, no, you know I, who you know who owns those brown leather pants now? Probably Iggy, Mr. Mr. Iggy Iggy Pop. Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, you know, I there's a great Iggy story about um and well, we were joking earlier privately, but uh, but I think uh, the Doors played some kind of high school auditorium thing, you know, and they were already kind of established in L.A. But Iggy Pop happened to be there. Or something, but Iggy saw Morrison on stage. Oh yeah, but but out of it, not not like an L.A. club or something. Some kind of like weird like probably public, uh, you know probably in Michigan. community theater okay. or something. Yeah, crap. probably in Michigan. Yeah, just like oh uh, uh, yeah, like they yeah. weren't the doors weren't well known. But uh, but Iggy just went nuts and was like, I want to be that guy. Um, but uh, you know, I, I love some Jim Morrison, but Iggy really did take it uh, much further in a different direction. Yeah, and by '74. Yeah. You know, seventy three and seventy four. He was so whacked out on drugs and, uh, oh it, sure. It, it's yeah. it's just a, it's just amazing that he's still with us today. As a side note, but, yeah. But yeah. but the thing is, is is they were doing something that nobody had done, and this yeah. record captures that live essence that the studio albums don't really. Well, yeah, so, let's, say, let's say focus. So, I mean, yeah. again, I mean, uh, you know, the six, whatever. But by the early 70s, um, it's like, well, where is this going to go? What, how is music going to shift? And, uh, or, you know, we had the doors, okay? So thanks, right. thanks, Jim. He was a nut. But how, where do we go further with this? So, you know, Iggy is one of those characters. He's not Bowie. He's not this. He's not that. But it really was uh, maybe, I don't know. I keep going over the same thing. But maybe the first punk. Yeah. Um, and no, that I, super I confrontation. I mean, the Stones had trouble with bikers, and things were getting aggravated. The sixties were over, you know, and things were getting a little aggravated. Well, the like, drugs were getting worse. That's the problem. Well, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, different, yeah. Kind, different kinds of drugs. Well, I'm just saying it. No, way. well, if you got the Scorpions showing up, I mean, the gang. Yeah, <laughs> you got them showing up at your show <laughs> looking for a fight. Then you know maybe things are going a little south, but. um yeah, yeah, but but he was just the perfect guy for definitely, that. You know? Definitely, yeah, yeah, and, definitely. And, and and he read that. Now he's, a, I think he's a very bright man, and uh, um, but uh, which well, which brings me, let me bring up because we we got a lot of records to cover, but the, all of them have a common thread where there is banter in between songs. Oh yeah, so, very so important with a live record. Yeah, and yeah. all all of the records we're going to talk about have that. But uh, let's talk about uh, some of Iggy's banter. You know, what's your insight on that? And uh, I mean, I <laughs> well, know, I mean, like I said, know, with the bikers. He, he yeah. He, yeah, but I mean, he even introduces, like, the, he starts off with Rich Bitch, like, this is to my, this is to the Hebrew girls out there. Of which there were zero. <laughs> probably, there was probably one girl in the audience, you know. I yeah, yeah, I know. You got a biker. She like, was I don't probably like a biker that. chick. Yeah, I don't like know? what he said. I don't yeah, like, yeah, nah, yeah, right, I, yeah. I, You know, it's just the <laughs> no, band is amazing, you know. And like, yeah. like, you know, like Rob said with the, with, the long version of Louis Louis, the shit that he says during Louis Louis is hilarious. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, I mean, yeah. I did my homework, but I, and, yeah. and one thing I got to mention too, I need to go back to is, uh, is, is, like I said, there's different versions of this. What you want to get, uh, I mean, you can always get the original if you're a purist, but if you want to get the expanded versions, the 1988 Metallic two times KO is what you really want to get, and the and, 98. Jungle Records release ha- is basically the same thing, but in like a slightly different order. 
Okay, the songs. Oh, that's and, all. Okay. Yeah, there's not much different. I, I yeah. actually have the 1988 version. Okay. Uh, and that's. It sounds whole, like you prefer that. I, I do, and it, okay, it, yeah. it has the whole October 6, 73, and the whole February 9th, 74 stuff. So you're so covered. You're you got covered. basically everything. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. And it's it's just it's just amazing. Now, let's move on. Yeah, to let's, the next, the next record. Okay. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, we got five to cover. And this one, to me, is, is, you know, again, one of the greatest live albums ever. It was the biggest album this band ever did. And uh, since we are kind of stuck in the 70s here with, with, with almost all of these records, yeah. uh, we're going to talk about one of the biggest bands of the 70s, and that's Foghat. Oh, uh, Foghat. I'm, yeah, right. yeah. I'm excited about this yeah. because... Now, uh, Foghat, nineteen seventy-seven, right? Foghat live album from nineteen seventy-seven, like you said, it's their best-selling album. It sold over two million copies alone, right? And it was certified double platinum, like almost immediately. Yeah, uh, it was released on the Bearsville label, which is the label that they were on, I think, for almost every one of their records. Now, okay. who is Foghat? Foghat comes from. Basically, the, the, the remnants of a British blues band called Savoy Brown. Oh, okay. shit. I didn't know uh, that. Okay. Yeah, members, members of, of, of Foghat were in Savoy Brown. And they moved to America. Okay. okay and they, they, they formed another band. And that was called Foghat. Now, that's Lonesome Dave Peverett. Peverett. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He was the lead singer and nickname. rhythm guitar. Lonesome Dave. Uh, he's yeah, a good lonesome. singer. I love that nickname. Yeah. Lonesome. He's yeah. lonesome. He's got a lot yeah. to say. He's lonely. He's, you he's know, lonely. But, yeah. Now you got you had Rod Price <laughs> yeah. on yeah. lead guitar and backing yes. vocals. You had uh-huh. Craig McGregor on bass. Who I can't and, wait to talk about. Yeah, yeah. very yep. good bass player. Yep. And you have Roger Earl on drums. Yeah. Um they had a couple of lineup changes over the year years, but Lonesome Dave right. Rod Price and Roger Earl were pretty much consistent. This is the band. classic, yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is the now, lineup. Yeah. Now, in 77, Foghat was, was riding high off their, what I believe is their biggest selling studio album called Fool for the City. You had, you had uh, which is one of my favorite album covers, too, because it's a picture of a, of a long-haired guy with, like, a hat on, and he's, like, fishing in a manhole cover, under yeah. a man, in a manhole like he's yeah. got a cover to the side. And he's like got a yeah. fishing pole in front of the mantle. I it's, love that cover. It's, and, uh, I mean, I, I, I enjoy my covers and my art, yeah, but it's yeah. sick. It's sick. yeah, it yeah. is. It, it is. It, it scared me. I was a it seven. Actually, year, I was seven years old, a, and I was like, yeah. wait a minute. Like it I already knew about disturbing Kiss. in a way. Well, I already yeah. knew about Kiss and like a little bit of Zeppelin. But you start seeing that cover art from the seventies, you're like, I, I feel like I'm entering in a world I don't know. <laughs> and, well, it's true. And, and what's and, in the what, very, what's very in the manhole? Original, <laughs> very original kind of cover. But yeah, they anyhow. were riding high on this album, Sean. They had Fool for the City, uh, and of course the monster hit Slow Ride, which was probably their most well known song. Sure. Um, and they decided to come out with a live record. They hadn't had one yet. And they were known as a, an amazing live band. In fact, yeah. I think they kind of fall in that category of don't even worry about getting the record. Just go see them. 
Well, well, yeah, and again, back then it was word of mouth. It's like we yeah. fucking we got fog hat tickets, man. Almost you know? like yeah. the Grand Funk Railroad. I'm so glad of, you brought kind of, that up because kind I, of like I'm uh, looking at a note here, like we're in American yeah. band vibes, you know. I mean, it, uh, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they they wrote that well. So, uh, yeah, and we'll did. go into the music, but uh, but let me ask you a quick question. So they were already riding high, and this live record was in support of that record, correct? Pretty much. So I they were they like, needed well, to put something out to to keep the momentum and, 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 well, and, and this did and, it. Yeah, and to stay on topic, I mean live records boss wide open sometimes when you don't expect them to. But I think you know, we saw this with KISS and other bands. It's like you guys are doing great, let's put a live record out. So yeah. um I guess this is what they did, but uh they struck gold. So uh, you know, uh continue. Sorry, Michael. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're totally yeah. right. I mean, uh if you compare Kiss, it's you know Kiss had I think about four studio albums before Kiss Alive came out. Yeah, none of none of them sold that well. Now Fog had their but earlier it, stuff. It was a trend, is well. all I'm saying. It was kind but of a were, trend. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, people make live records for different reasons. Sometimes they do them to get out of record contracts. Okay. But oh, you know, right. just, just to, put out yeah. your last, just dump a dump a live album. Yeah, we gave we gave you a record. Leave us alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get a now, new contract. They but. weren't doing that here. I think what they were trying to do was was capture this live sound that they've never really captured on the studio records. Because if you right. listen to the, you know, the the guitar playing on this album. Well, okay? we I, and I did, and, and, yeah. and, and, and I know as a guitar player. Yeah, Sean, you must listen to this and go, holy shit. Okay. Well, yeah, and uh, I, uh, let me just address that because uh, with with Foghat, what you got, and this Craig McGregor bass player, um, yeah. so deceptively, like uh, I don't know, I put him up there with, uh, I mean, unsung character. But when you hear Foghat and the, you know, uh, slow ride, I mean, he's all banned. Now he's high in the mix. They yeah. put the bass in the mix, which was smart in almost a thin Lizzy way. Because yeah. it's like, fuck, y'all have a good bass player, man. Let's put him up there. Let's he use him. Let's yep. use him. You know, I want to hear him. And a mm-hmm. uh, good drummer, uh, lots of cowbell, you know, yeah. in, in, especially in this live recording. Um, but, again, they have solid songs. But uh, I'm just looking at uh, I Just Want to Make Love to You. People forget they did it. And, yeah. uh, and it was eight, over eight minutes long. On well, the, I just uh, on the love record. the way the guitars Rod lead in the, the Rod Price and and, and he loved that Dave. slide guitar, yeah, yeah and, and Lonesome Dave bounce off each other. Well, okay. Lonesome, Lonesome Dave was one of those, uh, just a, a hell of a singer, but he had chops on the guitar. Yes, you know? he did. So it was like, oh wow! So they when he's not singing and they go into long jams, which this record was like longer versions of some of their hits, um, but they could do double guitar jam. We're, and it wasn't, it's not boring, you know, um, it's, it's not too drawn out. It's not jam bandy. Um, it's, no, uh, it's, you know, it's not, yeah. it's not. And some people think I, I, I think some people have that impression about Foghat that they're like these long jammy band, right. you know, grateful dead 20 minute long songs. Not yeah. at all. Okay. Yes. No. Yes. Like I just want to make love to use about seven, eight minutes. Slow rides a long song, but yeah. then they got, they got other tracks like fool for the city, which is a three minute song. Yeah. Okay, yeah. and you know, long song. Uh, uh, holding my hand—that's not a long song. So, so it's not like they, they, everything they do is a long jam, but they know 
how to how to extend it out. Uh, that's what I'm saying. I think they, yeah. they manage it well. So when you really look at that set, it's only really about 45 minutes, which is you know, um, th- that's the kind of set I like to play. You know, it's just enough um, without going nuts. But uh, but yeah, turning hits into longer jams, and that's what you do live. You know, yeah. and yeah. and uh, yeah. some day, of course, you're going to be hey, how's everybody doing tonight? Yeah, yeah, now, especially in the 70s. Say, you know, whatever. Yeah, so, yeah, I yeah. have to say, I saw Fog Hat. One time, okay, uh, and and it was wasn't the original lineup, but it was at it was at BB King's uh, about five or six years ago, and um, they have like a singer that sounds just like Lonesome Dave. Lonesome Dave is is dead. Um, okay, right, right. Yeah, he he died a while back. But um, the only guy that was the original was was Roger Earl on drums. Okay, oh. and uh, <laughs> you know. Had, I think I think, sorry, I think they might have had I think they might have had Craig McGregor or one of the other bass players that was with them. Fair enough. Um, yeah. on, on you know playing, but I don't usually go to stuff like that. Sure. Okay? Yeah. But yeah. but I decided to go to it, and I was actually pretty fucking surprised because they 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 played just like you'd expect. And, yeah, yeah. you know, it real and what they did too is they actually had a couple of guys from Savoy Brown there. Oh, and they came okay. up and they did Savoy Brown songs. Now I'm not you know, I mean I'm not a big expert on their music. They're kind of a very cultish band. No, uh, I mean I, you I know, know, yeah, I you, know got, the name. you gotta know the Brit the Brit they're I mean they're unbelievable that's pretty blues cool guys yeah but you're completing the circle that's pretty yeah. cool so they yeah. come back around they're like you know yeah. what what the hell maybe we'll do a few of our songs that's yeah. pretty kind of cool right yeah <laughs> yeah so that guy showed up and i looked okay. him up and uh you know he was about 80 years old okay and he was he was playing there with with the rest of them that were maybe just a couple of years younger and i mean it was an amazing gig but one thing i want to mention too is the video uh, for I just want to make love to you used to get played on MTV once in a while, and it was it was a video from that show. Okay, okay, and live and what what Lonesome Dave and uh, and Roger uh, I mean Rod Price used to do is when they did the beginning of I just want to make love to you you know like dun 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 dun, dun you know and then right. like the, before the guitars kick in they would be on top of the amplifiers. Okay. Okay. High up, and then you would hit. You know, each of them would hit the hit their guitars and start playing. So right. the lights would shine right on. And I remember seeing this video many times on MTV as a kid, and I'd be like, "Damn, that's fucking cool." And, sure, uh, sure. You know, and and a lot of people wouldn't think I'd be into Fargat, but to be honest with you, I am. I always, I always like. Well, that. you always surprise me because well, <laughs> you, you got a real. I mean, I got a real hard rock and uh, of course heavy metal vibe, but. Uh, yeah, it's uh, and I'm glad you brought up MTV. We'll kind of smooth into that because uh, they were Foghat was pre corporate rock, but definitely corporate friendly rock. Maybe you know a song like Slow Ride. Um, um, <laughs> I'm just saying. I, you know, we know. You know, I, I mm, they were not in the category of like a you know like a Kansas or a. Boston no, or Ario Speedwagon. Speedwagon or anything like that. I'm just, I'm just no, saying there, there were shades of it. Come they on. were on a small label. Yeah. Bearsville was not a big label. Okay. Right. And uh, 
I'm they, just saying uh, they had the they had the big anthemic rock songs, yeah. and uh, and uh, it, the check was in the mail. Is yeah. all I'm saying. So definitely, definitely. Yeah. But, uh, now let's move on. Okay, we'll talk about record number three of the five, which is the Who live at Leeds. Mm-hmm. Now, That's a great album. Yeah, yeah. Did you check it all out, Rob? I seen I seen all of them. Um, I I'm very excited about the next album and the last album too. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Now this album was released on May 23rd, 1970, and it was uh, recorded uh, mostly at the University of Leeds Refectory in Leeds, UK. Okay. All right. Yeah. Now it was released on Decca Records in America. Okay. Decca and, and Polydor and Track Records in the UK. Okay, yeah, right. Big, um, well, big time stuff. Yeah, now honestly. it's live album by The Who, and it was recorded on February 14th, 1970. It's the only live album released with the original lineup, okay, while they were still together. And the okay, original yeah. lineup being, of course, Roger Daltrey on vocals, Pete Townsend on guitar, John Entwistle, also known as The Ox, on bass. He, and He's Keith Moon, man. of course, on drums. Okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah now, well, we, we, we had a, a, a nice conversation last night about this. And, you know, you, you definitely expressed your love for Ant Whistle. Well, and, uh, you know, uh, I love the guy, too. I mean, he's, you know, amazing fucking bass player. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, for me, uh, you can't compare him to really anyone. But, uh, but yeah, you know, that's what the Who would give you. Like, uh, I don't my generation, whatever, forget it. You know, it's like Getty Lee all of a sudden. It was like, oh shit, we need to get a better bass player. You know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what are you doing with your band? You know, and because you can't compete with Keith Moon, but now you need a better bass player. So, monster band. Yeah. And uh, I was, I was, uh, I was kind of bewildered by the uh, when I looked at leads and I looked at the song list. I was like, oh man. So by seventy, they had all these great songs because they had a lot of hits in the sixties, Mike. Yeah, 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 of course, of course. So, I mean, well, let's it, talk about they, that they, because they, they you know, were like. Basically, by 69, they, they had Tommy, okay? And that was a huge hit. Now, they were looking to follow up that, all right? And they yeah. had recorded, uh, they were going to do a live album based on Tommy, and they had recorded uh, a bunch of tracks from about 20 different live shows they did in America. Right. Yeah, okay? Uh-huh. But when they got back to the UK, Townsend heard them, and I hated didn't it. Like any any of them, and, and he actually yeah. he actually burned them all, which I mean is insane. He physically okay? burned. He them. physically burned okay, all right, the master right. tapes of the, those those shows. That's how yeah. bad he. You know, that's Had how a bad temper tantrum. Like, yeah. This sound we drama sound queen. terrible. He's a drama yeah. queen. Yeah, that's drama <laughs> queen stuff. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. but I mean I feel his pain because of, I, I certainly have been. You know, a bad recording is like it's terrible. I hate it all, uh, right, but you, right. you can't redo it. But anyhow, uh, now they, they they booked a show, okay, at Leeds University. Hello, hey, the show the next night at Hull City hey, Hall, which is a place nearby, and they specifically the album, and they were going to take. Sorry, can you hear me? Uh, yeah, we can hear you. Okay, yeah, 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 I got you. You dropped off. Right Sorry, there. I did. Uh, yeah, no. So they booked a gig at Leeds University and Hull City Hall specifically to make a live record, and they had two places. This way, they could draw tracks from from both. Okay. Right. Yeah. Now, six of the songs were taken from the Leeds show and yeah. released 
with an album cover that made it look like a bootleg recording. Oh, so intentionally. That's intentionally, kind of, that's yeah. Kind now, of if you cool, look, if you look at the, Yeah, now there's a reason they did that, okay? I'll explain that in a minute. But they, they uh, the mix of this, and the way they sounded live was way more raw and hard rock arrangements and right. stuff like that. Then it, then it was even, you know, heavier than Tommy and stuff like that. Right. Uh, the, if you listen to the Who live stuff from that era and then the studio stuff, it's kind of different. Kinda it doesn't different. capture it, does it? Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. Know, you. And, yeah, and, yeah. and what I love about this period, okay, of the Who, and because I love the early Who. Right. Okay. I, and, and like a quick one is one of my favorite records. And of course, my generation. Tom, I like. I don't love it. I like Quadrophenia a little bit better. I but do what, too. But, yeah. but, this, but this era was like a bridge. Like this record was a bridge between the old, my generation, kids are all right. I can't explain. And Tommy and what would become uh, Who's Next. Uh, well, see, I'm you glad know. you said this. Let me interject because uh, because I, I I hadn't sat down with that really ever, you know. Yeah. Though I'm familiar, uh, but uh, yeah, the thing about the live versus studio, you know. So um, Pete Townsend, he's not a huge gear guy, but they were known for being really fucking loud, well, especially yeah. by the time the '70s came around. So he's using high watts instead of uh, Marshalls yeah. and uh, really loud amps. So yeah. it, it, you know, in the studio, it gets lost in the translation. But uh, um, I think they were, God, weren't they Guinness Book for the loudest band for a while? At one point, at I one think point, at one point yeah. they were. At one but, point, I mean, yeah, I think, I think, I, think Jude, I think, I think Judas Priest was up there at one point too. Uh, a few years that, later, that's not surprising. But uh, yeah, but anyway. Yeah. But yeah, definitely a big, a big division between, you know, uh, studio and live. But they had so much old material, um, but they were in, into the 70s. Um, again, the 60s were over and they were moving forward. So, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and, and they, they what's interesting about like some of the tracks here, like if you listen to the expanded version, which is the one everybody should listen to, because there was only like six songs on the original recording. Okay, okay right. The other one came uh, my wife, 95. Uh, I, th- I think in 90 and 2000 or, not, or uh, yeah, I think it was the, the 20th anniversary and the 30th. Okay. Uh, they, they released stuff. Um, so we're of, talking it got a proper release or not? Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. No, this was, this was, it was 90, not a bootleg. What the okay. 95 version is 77 minutes long of the concert. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And the first one was like it had fourteen minutes. The first one six hours had fourteen. Inside was twenty two minutes. But you remember okay. what they did too is they played their older stuff with some yeah, uh, some tracks that were going to be used on what was supposed to be their next record after this was going to be called Lifehouse. Yeah, it was okay. it was a pro it was a project that Townsend was working on that he abandoned. Right, it just didn't work out these Lifehouse sessions, and they yeah. immediately started a, f- a fresh project, and that okay. became Who's Next in 1971. Well, okay, well, fair enough. So, yeah, so that was great. Of, well, some of the lead sounds like they're going through the motions, uh, and that makes sense, maybe. But it's uh, again, they had such a uh, moving into the 70s. They just they had a lot of 
but what know, they just, did, some yeah. of the old songs just sounded different. Yeah, or, you know, they made and, them heavier. They were heavier. Yeah, Stuff heavier. Like I can't explain and 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 substitute. Well, uh, substitute I, especially on this recording. I had that yeah. down and. Uh, um, but yeah, I'm free. It's uh, but well, they go into Tommy. If you look at the tracks, yeah, okay, yeah they, they actually, play the whole Tommy thing. They play yeah every time they did Tommy in those days, and even when they've brought it back over the years, they do it from from beginning to end, right? Because it's like a rock opera. You gotta have well, everything. you have yeah, you can't start yeah. it and not finish it, right? Yeah, you sure, can't sure. do one song and either, they yeah. always did it. They always did it complete. Yeah, and there's so, no like uh, we want to hear a little Tommy. It was like, well, we yeah, want to hear all of it. That's, yeah. what, they, that's <laughs> what they did. They, yeah, you got to play all of it. So, but yeah. what I love about this record is like they do like look at this segue. They do "I'm a Boy," which is one of my favorites from them, and then they go into a quick one while he's away, which is their really first concept yeah. song. Okay. Dalt- that's a Dalton yeah. song, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's all about, you know, if you never heard it, it's about a, a woman whose husband is away and the uh, she ends up kind of fucking around with the train engineer. That, yeah, comes to, right, yeah. that comes that comes to town every yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> right. I guess they, if they had a pool, it would have been the pool boy. <laughs> yeah, right. This is the UK. They don't have pools. Yeah, yeah. They don't. So, they don't. No. They don't but the train yeah, conductor yeah. did a great job. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I know well, you got a song out how, of it how, anyway. How about the banter, Rob? On that, when, 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 uh, if you listen to the banter when they're introducing the song, yeah, yeah. He, uh, um, what's his name? Townsend says uh, says something about how the engineer can't come on time. No, oh, well, uh, yeah. well, see, you know, I, I, you know, I think I think Townsend was finding himself, but no, I'm glad you brought it up because uh, again, with these live albums, the banter is as priceless as some of these great songs and yeah. some of these, you know, great recordings. But, but, uh, but Mike, you know, you know what the, the conductor did do? He could go in the tunnel real quick. Mm. Oh, <laughs> hey, okay. yeah, yeah. All right, all right. A little double entendres going on here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. Sure. Now, um, um, originally the tracks from the whole City Hall show were going to be released with the lead show as a double live album. That's what they intended to do. That's what, with right. these live albums, it is. It's always intent, like we said with Fall Cat. Um, it's like, well, we should cash in. or But, you know, you record all these live tracks, and, you know, when you're in a band or and if you're successful or have any yeah. kind of budget, record everything, you right. know? And everybody knew that since, since, well, since, it was since the camera. They, it was good but, they did that. Okay, yeah. because what happened was the, the they only ended up using like uh, like one or two songs from the whole city hall show because they had technical problems. A lot of the tracks didn't have Entwistle's bass coming in for some reason. He I don't know if he right, was, right. He, they just not mic'd right it's or just whatever. It, right. Uh, okay, yeah, it didn't yeah. show up in the recording. So it, years later, when it would be expanded and released, they would fix that. Okay. Yeah, they got that. They got an album that's almost like three hours of all the songs yeah. everywhere. Well, well did full, he full, full, did full he overdub shows. or what? What did he do? Did you know, I, good question. I, yeah. I I I don't think he did it. I don't know how they did it. Okay, maybe, but like if okay, you yeah. you know, supposedly, I mean, I've never heard the original Hull show. 
No, I'm just curious. Okay. Because, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I mean, I've never, I've never heard it. Okay, so I don't know gotcha. what it sounds like. Okay, before. fair enough. Fair but enough. When I you listen, whatever recording they had, because they had one that, that you had the double CD, they you had the triple CD. They yeah. kept releasing. It was crazy how many times they released this album. Yeah, yeah. Now yeah. I mentioned how it's kind of patterned after a bootleg. Now the cover was designed by a company called Graph Freaks. Okay. Okay. And they created that rubber stamp logo okay what was uh, that what what were they american company just curious probably a uk company i'm not sure okay yeah. anyway uh, weird the name. actual artist weird name that's all yeah the, the actual artist's name was um b draw sutcliffe he came oh. up with that idea sutcliffe it's English. sutcliffe yeah <laughs> now it it, it, it it resembled a, a, a famous bootleg of that era and it's it there was a Okay. okay. Uh, a lot of people didn't do the record. It was a, it was what's considered to be the very first bootleg rock and roll show. Okay. And it was a Stone show from the 1969 tour called, and, and the bootleg was called "Liver Than You'll Ever Be." And That's a cool name. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I've, I, I have a copy of this. It's an amazing record. Uh, the quality is unbelievable for being recorded in the audience. Uh, right, right. But and, and and there's even rumors that. You know, maybe the Stones were involved with it because it was so good. Oh, they planted then, it. Yeah, well, yeah, but yeah. Then, but then they, but then there's also rumors that like because there was so many copies of this bootleg sold, it did very well. That right. that they that's what made them do get your yayas out. Okay, oh, which, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, which is which is what we talked about in the last bunch of live records we yeah. talked about. Well, either way though, it's so it's good. You know, it's good. Yeah, good recording. So if, yeah. if you look at the cover of that, and you look at the cover of Live at Leeds, it's very similar. They patterned okay. it after okay. that. Now, when okay. people originally bought the LP Live at Leeds, it opened up like a gatefold, and it had various pictures on one side, and then okay. it had handwritten letters as pictures on that side, and right. then on the other side was the album in a paper sleeve. The first five hundred copies got included with in the record it, it included a copy of the contract that the who signed to play at woodstock okay uh, so it's a nice little addition there no a big i mean for yeah. them especially big package like yeah. we're giving you a whole you know the whole package okay. yeah 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 and and you know they would never really you know it, it was kind of like the end of an era with them uh right. they, you know because who's next would be the next record and then they would get into things like quadrophenia and stuff. And yeah, uh, it would, it would be, they, they would become like a monster band. Well, okay. and, that, and that's what I was, uh, I was kind of touching on with, uh, yeah. with fog hat um, because corporate rock, and uh, and then you know we don't have to move all the way up to MTV, but you know how that went. And, yeah. uh, but it was like you got to be big, you got to have a whole package and uh, you, or rock opera or something big. And right. a lot of the, a lot of these bands were like, oh, we didn't, we're not prepared for that wave, but they were getting ready for it, you know. Right, right, yeah. right. So right. anyway, yeah. yeah. Now let's move on to the next one. Okay, I do want to mention one more thing about Live at Leeds. Um, what's that, Rob? This is what Sean is saying. This is the big, the, the big. Oh album. yeah, yeah. Before, before I, before I do that, I just, I don't know if I mentioned that. There are people that will 
with live at Leeds, there are people that will say, and, and I, I could, I can't disagree with them though. I wouldn't say it myself, but they think that this is the greatest live album by any band ever. Well, live, okay. Live yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah, yeah there cool. are people that will swear that it is, it is, a, it is an epic album. So everybody should have that, but let's move on. And I we're going to talk top, about this top, is this, top five this, album. Well, let's stay yeah. on let's stay on Leeds for a second, but okay. uh, no. And I was only just making a segue because that's, okay. it's a you know it's a it's a podcast. But uh, but I think there was uh, the writing was on the wall, and the who knew that? And they were going to do their own thing, especially Quadrophenia. I thought was uh, it's just genius. Um, but yeah, and so. they moved in the eighties. You know, I was thinking about I was thinking about both of you guys today. I'm walking the dog, and I'm thinking about Eminence Front, which showed up on MTV. Yeah. And they're playing these huge shows, you know, and even yeah. here in New York. And, uh, man, I kind of dug the 80s. I hate to bring it, if, make 80s you, out of if it. If you were watching. But it was good. It was good who, you know. I mean, if Daltry you were watching, uh, was if on If you were point. watching that video, Sean. Yeah. Okay, I mean, it's front. Okay, that was recorded at Shea Stadium. It was a soundtrack. And I was there. Oh Jesus! No, you weren't. Yes, I. That's the first concert. Okay, so I ever they, went. well, back to the guitar player thing, because you know, I was like, "What yeah. the hell are they using?" A couple custom Telecasters that I think, yep. it was like a like a boutique California guy, made them for him. Or so I don't think they exist anymore. But of course, I love the Telecasters. But what a hell of a song! What a hell of a video! They yeah. captured that sound check like a. Like a motherfucker. Now Pardon my I, French. Yeah, now that show. Pardon my French. That show is is. To me, it's part of New York history because you had mm. you had the Clash opening for the Who. That's the yeah. first concert I ever saw. I was like thirteen. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And and uh, David Johansson actually opened the show before everybody. Oh wow! Okay. And okay. I remember coming in when Johansson was actually already on, and uh, he was doing his Animals medley. Okay. okay. Yeah. And then uh, the Clash came on and. I was there to see The Clash more than anything else, but I did want to see The Who because I was very aware of, of their music. Yeah. And, and I was like, wow. You know? Yeah, that's, and, and, uh, that's um, I mean, I know it's got nothing to do with Leeds, but that's kind of when I got The Who. You know, I knew their, of course, I know their work over the years, but I was like, oh, shit. This yeah, is see, unfortunately, great. by that point, Keith Moon had been dead about three or four years i know i know you know and so i never got to see the the original lineup because i mean if you watch yeah. i have uh the kids are all right on dvd yeah okay the, the movie right and uh i have like to expand it with all the bonus footage and stuff and i'll i'll watch that sometimes it's like four hours long and i'll just get sucked into just it goosebumps yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh man like, you know, this is good the yeah. early shit like when they would do these tv appearances yeah. and you know the way Moon was just a maniac. And he would be, he would be look, funny. He'd be like, oh, well, he's a nut. Look, and look into his eyes, and you're like, yeah. okay, here, yeah. all right, it's a, we got this, <laughs> we got this guy. You know, you know, it's like, all right, you know, can you get through? Oh yeah, I got it. And then he would get behind the skins and kill it. And I mean, yeah. God, God yeah. bless, he had, you know, he had substance issues and no, whatever. Well, but, yeah. but man, when he showed up to kill it. And talking about MTV, I, I wanted to mention this, but, uh, you know, when MTV uh, was kind of hurting, like new, they were like, well, we got videos. So you, you'd get Blackfoot, 
you know, but yeah, you no, would play all, anything. But you'd anything. also yeah. get Foghat, Fool for yeah. the City. Yeah. So, you know, I got my brother of two years older. Hey, Seth Harris. Let me drop his name. Shout um, out. We would sit there and we'd get Foghat, Fool for the City. And, uh, and we would get uh, Baba O'Reilly on, yeah. on 16 millimeter, like great film. And, it, and we would just get killed. And, I was, you know, that who, um, that was more 72 into the early 80s. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, for me, that, you know, it was post-moon. But I thought they were just firing on all well, cylinders. In the, in the Kids Are All Right video, there's some great uh, a movie. There's some great footage of them doing Baba O'Reilly. Mm. And he, you know, uh, Townsend's playing that SG. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, yeah, he, yeah. Yeah. He was a big Gibson guy, big Gibson yeah. guy. And uh, and again, high-watt amplifiers, which are yes. to this day just louder than and, that. And that's, that's yeah. why he's yeah. got that's why he's got incredibly bad tinnitus. What was that? That's well, why he has incredibly bad tinnitus. It was a joke. I couldn't hear you. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I also you. have incredibly bad. <laughs> you, you fooled I, me that first I got time. you. I got you. Yeah, it's hard to do. It's hard to fool you. Yeah, you got me. So I couldn't hear that. Uh, but anyway, but uh, but yeah, it was, uh, I don't know, Townsend's such a, just a monster songwriter is the yeah. thing, you know, yeah. uh, but uh but well, let's move forward. on. Let's move, move forward, forward here. Yeah, moving um, forward. Moving forward. The, the next, the next band is one of your all-time favorites, and I enjoy oh. them a lot too. And that would be Cheap Trick, and of course, Cheap Trick's greatest selling album is Live at Budokan. Yes. All right. Um, um, yeah. First released on October eighth, nineteen seventy-eight, in Japan, and yeah. then later in February seventy-nine in the USA, it was yes. released based on. This uh, incredible response they got in Japan. All right, now yeah, rip, yeah, yeah. Well, will... once once again, just record everything. Like yeah, that kind of band. They had a good crew, um, and let's see how we do in Japan because you know they're a struggling band from Rockford, Illinois. You know right. they were doing great in Chicago. Tom Petty loved them. Um, Ace Frehley, who we all know and love. Right. Was it told Gene? He was like, "You got to see these guys. They got two yeah. nerds and two pinups." And it, and you know, Gene, it was like, "Oh shit, these guys are good." They yeah, went out with yes, Kiss yeah. and all that, but uh, they didn't really make a splash with their studio albums. Um, but uh, Budokan. So I want you to want me off of that. Right. Um, First you single. Could, you could not escape that in the seventies. No. And of course, I loved it. And I saw him on screen. I saw Robin Zander. I was like, oh, I want to be that guy when I yeah. grow up. And I've done everything I can to be him. But it was diabolically perfect. Um, they've been compared to uh, this guy from the Quinta Stone Age, which is like, you know, the Foo Fighters. Josh, uh, they're huh? kind of a 70, yeah, 70s Foo Fighters kind of. Yeah, yeah absolutely. They power yeah. popped out. So uh, Right. Right, anyway, right, right. let's talk about it. Yeah. First of all, Rob, you're fucking sleeping. Wake up. <laughs> I ain't sawing logs over there. I know. <laughs> well, you know. Let's, you try, let's try to do the show over Rob snoring. Okay? It's a He's hot mic. Up. It's a hot mic. He's lumped up. It's, now, it's a, yeah, what are you this, do? This, this album, okay, was really intended to only be released in Japan. Yeah. Right. They really yeah. weren't. They the the record company didn't think it was. They were big enough to really release it here. It was an experiment. It was yeah. an experiment in yeah. a way. Now, but what happened was the import sales were huge, and with a tidal wave starting in Japan, it got a U.S. release and it became a huge hit. 
you know, huge hit. Now, yes. or, originally, the Japanese release was called From Tokyo to You. Yeah. And it was then renamed Live from Budokan right after that. They renamed right. it. But I'm going to drop a bomb here. A lot of people don't know this. Uh, okay. Yeah, you told me about this. Yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Live at Budokan by Chief Trick is not really recorded in the Budokan Temple. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. They did a show there. And it turned out the recording was bad. But yeah. they also did a show in Osaka, Japan. Yeah. And it ended up to be a very good recording. And it was a smaller show in front of a smaller crowd. Right. Which I find amazing because if you listen to the, the, the crowd cheering in, in live from Budokan, you think it's a, they're playing in front of 50,000 people. But they they weren't. Now I don't know if that was a trick of the production, yeah. or, or 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 was it really just really loud, even for about twelve thousand people that they were playing in front of. It right. Doesn't matter, okay? Well, it they, doesn't. They called it, it live yeah. at Budokan. It's market. You know? It's marketing, and and nobody, right. you know, back then, you know, you couldn't track all that back then. Um, so it was right. like, well, we'll just put it out. And we'll call it that. And, you know, they, they played in Japan. So nobody's, yeah. it, it don't get nitpicky. Let's see how it does. Um, but, right, um, right. but but the uh, Japanese fans, whether it was Budokan or not, were very receptive to that, you know. Yeah. And, uh, they and really, guys. They, they dug they, the they, band. Yeah, they dug they the band. They treated them like the Beatles. They treated them like the Beatles. I mean, they, they, and, when they got off the plane, they were, they were greeted by thousands of screaming fans they were nuts yeah and uh and you know and they didn't have the budget so they those were not planted fans okay no they didn't have those the, rockford illinois guys so they right. they were really into it and um oh god on that note it's let's just move into it. it's so funny when uh we're talking about banter between songs <laughs> um but robin zander it's class almost iconic for me or for cheap trick fans but you know I want you to want, to want me. me, right? And and he's been on record a hundred times saying he was like, I was just so young and dumb. I thought if I said it slowly, they'd be like, Oh, okay. And they're like, No, we don't speak English, but you sound cool. <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah. but it became one of the most iconic, you know, uh, uh, introductions to a live track. Absolutely, and, and that track, uh, a live track, uh, which is what we're talking about. Um, yeah. it, it broke the record, you it know, uh, which it was did. unexpected for them. You know, so. you know, that, uh, just like Kiss broke, you know, Kiss Alive broke it for Kiss. Okay, mm-hmm. Cheap Trick Live at the Buddha Camp broke it for them. Yeah. If you listen to the uh, the studio version of "I Want You to Want Me," it, you know, it almost leaves a little bit of something to be desired. Okay. You know, it's a good. Oh, for great, me, it does. Oh it, God, you know, I gotta hear the live. Oh my God. Also. Okay, it's so like not yeah, the same. You know, I mentioned my brother, and we're sticklers for details, so we love the live version. We're like, oh, that's the best song ever. And then we were like, oh, let's listen to the studio version. And it had like a violin solo on it. And yeah. Something. And we were like, oh, they're getting all Beatles. And it was like, nah, yeah, it's all yeah. dry. And right. And, and that's yeah. Rick, that's Rick Nielsen at work. So, I mean, uh, now, of course, it's a fun version, but it's not your go-to version of that song. No, it's not. It's not. And, and you know what? Because there are people that, and I, I know quite a few, that don't really like live records. Right. Okay? That yeah. they just like the studio. And uh, that's a kind of reverse example. You know what I'm saying? Because it really, is. Yeah, you know. Now, here's the tracks. It starts off with Hello There, Come which, On, Come On. 
Yeah, which I want to talk about. Okay, we'll talk yeah. about it in a second. Look out. Yeah. Big eyes. Need your love. Then back in the day when you flipped the record side, too. Yep. You had Ain't That a Shame. A I cover. You to cover. want, right? Uh, Fats Domino song. <laughs> I want you to want me. Then you have Surrender Incredible. back to back. Yep. All right. Good night now. And then the clock strikes 10. Clock strikes and, 10. Yeah. Okay. Now tell us yeah. about Hello There. You wanted to bring that up. Uh, well, well, hello there is incredible. So, hello there becomes good night now. So yes. it, it's an A, and it's basically a guitar riff. Dan, dun, 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 dun. Yeah. So you can b- play with the lyrics. So it becomes a hello there, ladies and gentlemen. Becomes good night now, ladies and gentlemen. Right. So it's essentially the, just a they riff. Bookended. And yeah, they bookended it. That's the best way to exactly. put it. But, uh, exactly. But uh, come on, come on. For me, um, it really is maybe my favorite rock song ever. Um, it's almost know. the perfect song. I for it is, and and again, uh, you know, you got people trying to write the perfect song, and you know, I enjoy, like I said, a, a perfect power pop. Uh, Queens of Stone Age, uh, Foo Fighters, guys like that, yeah. who, who also listen to this and write just like I do. It, it's a hard nut to crack, but I think "Come On, Come On" for me is maybe the perfect rock song. You know, um, great. I, I can't, I can't argue with that. I can think of some others that are perfect too, but there's quite a few perfect rock songs. You don't have to be just one. It's, but, 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 I mean, on, I was also eight them. years old, but goosebumps. Yeah. I mean, I was like, is this what love is? Is this, you know, and, and then Robert Zander handing it to you in that white suit. And, oh, come yeah. on, baby, tonight, tonight. Singing about tonight. And I was like, this is what it's going to be like. Yeah. You know, definitely. and uh, you know, um, so, but, and uh, anyone who hasn't heard it, I encourage you to, to listen to Come On. Yeah. Come on. Um, but yeah. they, they, they did re release it over the years with expanded. You know, versions different. There's been a couple of re-releases with extra tracks, right? Um, right. And videos and, have surfaced. And videos with, yeah. it. and they yeah. even did. I think about ten years ago, right? They did a live at Budokan two. You know okay. what? Well, this is funny. It's just a cheap trick factoid. But they fell in love with this restaurant I was working in uh, down south in Richmond, Virginia. Okay. Um, but we hosted them a lot, and uh, really, you know, met oh, them. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. They oh. come in a lot. Yeah, peppers and mozzarella, Michael. You know, yeah, we took, the, we took that neighborhood and that city by storm with good food. But they came down to Richmond a lot um, to play at uh, yeah. whatever amphitheater we had uh, down That's there, right. whatever. But uh, they'd come in, and uh, we were all big fans, even the owner. You yeah. know, carte blanche, you know, it's good times. Um, but uh, but I, I talked with Rick Nielsen. I spoke with him about... Um, Budokan 2. And okay. he was uh, back, uh, I guess, God, when did it come out? I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I must have met them me, in I 96. Say, I want to say it came out around late 90s or 2000. 98, 96, yeah. 98. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, mean, I was thinking it was later, but you're right. I think it is 90s. Oh, 98 feels about yeah. right for that time. But anyway, I, I, I spoke with him kind of specifically about that. But yeah. he was like, you should check it out. But, um, but well, what do you think about that release? I mean, oh, I mean, I remember when it came out. Right. Okay, right you, yeah. couldn't get, you couldn't get away from I want you to want me. Right. Um, and it's always, I think it stands the test of time as like, you know, a, a perfect time capsule of a band at, at, probably what would be you know they had a couple of peaks over the years but they're definitely their first peak okay yeah you know yeah. and and um 
look, I mean, if, if, if you were just going to say, hey, you know, I'm going to buy a live record that I don't have. And if you don't have Budokan, that's the one you would pick. You know what I mean? mean? Uh, just, yeah, it, yeah. I mean, it, uh, it's just yeah. a live record that captures yeah. the band at their peak. And, you know, it's got everything. It's got great hooks. The songs, yeah. the songs are, are just the arrangements and everything. The, the, sure. the production is very good. It's not bad. Okay. And, you know, and well, Rick Nielsen, he's funny. You know, he's, yeah. you know, he's uh, as a, as far as guitar heroes guy go, yeah. um, he's, He's kind of a novelty because he's, you know, got the funny hat and the cardigan yeah, sweater. Yeah, because he's goofy. Okay. And, and um, yeah, and all, and a thousand guitars, like the triple, you know, 50 net guitars and stuff. We're, we're, you know, we're not, we're forgetting somebody. We're forgetting Bunny Carlos. We can't, we can't well, not mention him. Well, he the, is the, no longer in the band. But yeah, I, actually, know, I, I know that, which yeah. is a fucking sacrilege. But, uh, it is. It is. I know. I know. I'm, uh, I'm, deal, I'm dealing with it. But they actually uh, introduce him on the drums. He does like a, he does a fill. Um, God, what song was it on? But they're like, uh, Mr. Bunny Collars. And yeah, they go nuts. Um, yeah. But moving through this catalog, so we, won't, we don't have to stay on this record forever. But I do want to talk about Surrender. Yes. Um, because, you know, I want you to want me. That's an iconic, you know, introduction to a song. Right. But later in the set, it's like this next song is the first song on our new album. Yeah. Um, and which, so they, I want to say they halted production or release of Dream Police to see how Budokan would do. But they were, or maybe it was earlier, they were playing. No. They were Dream, Dream Police is like what, 81? Why? Isn't it, isn't it 81? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm getting, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm getting a little off track here, but yeah. uh, but then but then surrender was on Dream Police, so uh, oh, no, wasn't no, 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 it wasn't. Oh no, my god! No, no, I'm, I'm, let's yeah, edit. We'll yeah. edit that out. No, I don't want, don't worry about it. But yeah. but but I think I think they, they didn't hold back the album. I think that they didn't expect to re- even release it in the United States. Okay. Um. Yeah. So, but but surrender hadn't come out yet until about a year later. Well, that's what I'm, I'm sorry, man. I got caught up yeah. in Dream Police. What am I talking yeah. about? No, that's um, okay. Yeah. It's okay. Well, at least, I, at least to remember. As, you know? At least I'm not snoring. But uh, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but. Um, but anyway, um, but yeah, you know, a start to finish, um, uh, you know, and then good night now and clock strikes 10 yeah. feels like a bonus track, you know, and, it's kind uh, of like an add on. Yeah. Well, and then, and then, well, that's where you get, you know, Rick Nielsen is a very Beatles writer and some, some people who want to like uh, really chime in and kind of give cheap trick a hard time. It's like, well, they're just rewriting Beatles songs. It's like, well, not sometimes, no, but I, I never, I never bought into that. I, I never, See, I, never they, did they, they, I, I never in my life, even before I even didn't understand music the way I do now. Right. I right. never made that connection where I'm like, oh, these guys are ripping off the Beatles. No, I just I just think that you could hear the influence in certain songs. You could hear the influence in the harmonies and things like that. But sure. so so are a million other bands. You well, know, it's, it's, it's so be it. Exactly. Exactly. So be it. I mean, I'm, I do it all the time and I'm like, well, this is kind of my, you know, this is my Queens of Sunday song. You know, this is my Danzig song. And, and like, one thing I got to mention, like, okay, yeah, live, go at, live at Budokan was the first, okay, really big album 
recorded at the Boudicca. So, right. you know, now, like, I, I mean, through the 70s and 80s, other bands recorded things at the Boudicca. Oh, well, yeah, they're All like, right. well, and, fucking Cheap Trek, look what they did. You know, we need yeah, a we need right. a we, we need to a, do that. We need a Budokan. Okay, yeah. right. Managers, fucking right. money people. Yeah, we let's get that Budokan. And, and it became it became a thing to yeah. play the Budokan. Well, and I, record that exactly. You're live at the Budokan. You know, no, I like, like okay. Michael, I love it because I was like, I didn't know what the fuck Budokan was when I was eight years old, and I was like, oh, no. it's in Japan. I, I love the record. But over the years, Budokan, 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 Budokan. You know, everybody's got a Budokan. And right. that is because of Cheap Trick. And there's nothing wrong with that. They opened the door. You know, <laughs> yeah, they, sure, kicked, sure. they kicked it open. So let's move on to the next record, which yeah. is the final one, the fifth one. Uh, it's a little bit of a different genre. Okay. But I believe that, you know, this gentleman is one of the most important and influential people ever in American music. And I'm talking about Johnny Cash. Not just and, in America. Yeah, I think he's well, a, all worldwide. He's a world treasure. Yes, it, absolutely. Yeah. If now, I be so the bold. record I'm talking about is Johnny Cash live from Folsom Prison. Yes, sir. All right. Now, Johnny did two live records back to back in 68 and 69. The first being live from Folsom Prison right. and the second being live from San Quentin. Mm-hmm. Um, he first started getting interested in, in Folsom State Prison, which is in California, when he was in the Air Force before his career started. All right. uh, in 1953, his unit in the Air Force watched the Crane Wilbur film from 1951 called Inside the Walls of Folsom Prison. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, yeah, which you can actually see on YouTube. It's like a doc- documentary, old-fashioned kind of documentary about life in jail. Okay. Okay. And so that he got that stirred him up. Yeah. yeah. So that yeah. had his had his mind going. Yeah. And him going. inspired him to write the song Folsom Prison Blues. Okay. Now Folsom Prison Blues was his second single on Sun Records, and it became a hit. Right. All right. Okay. Yeah. Now I have to mention, this is like a little bit of a segue because next week's show on the Rock Show podcast, we're going to be talking about Elvis Presley. Yes. And Johnny yeah. Cash, the Sun Records years. The years, okay. yeah, yeah. So, so we're going to be talking about that 1950 stuff. I'm going to get into more detail. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, this being Folsom Prison Blues was his second record released on Sun. And it right. became a hit, uh, especially with people in jail, prisoners, okay, would hear oh, the record sure. and they loved it. All right. well, you, well, you're speaking to me, you know. and, and Yeah. Yeah, and, 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 and it created a, um, yeah, that, a that track, I got to mention, it, it, it created a, a mythology around him that existed through his whole career, pretty much, especially well, the early days. People yeah. thought he actually did time. Well, he was the man in black, and yeah. he got along with everybody. I mean, everybody, you know. I mean, look yes. at his first wife. You know, she's right. misrepresented a lot. But the, yes, yes, anyhow. Uh, yeah, but but yeah. but, but yeah. he 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 wrote Folsom Prison Blues, and it was a, it was a big hit. And uh, prisoners would sometimes write him, and they would ask him to perform at their prisons. And the first time he ever did it was in 1957 at Huntsville State Prison in Texas. It was received very well, and he did a few more at some other prisons uh, before he did Folsom in 68. But by the time he did that, his popularity was kind of waning a bit. 
Uh, he hadn't had a hit since 1964's "Understand Your Man." And oh, okay. The, the, re- right. the reason that was was he, you know, was partially because of his increased <laughs> drug abuse. Okay. Okay. Uh, so he was, um, yeah, yeah he was of, a little lumped up. He was, he was faltering, a little yeah. lumped up. Not right. Yeah, not, well, yeah, he yeah. was he was hooked on you know speed pills, and if you've ever seen the movie Walk the Line. I have, you, you yeah, know, you yeah. know, you know what happened. I do. To him. No, he, no, I just, but just, it's a better timeline, Michael. But uh, yeah, he wasn't not quite getting there. Not right, getting right, there. right. Yeah. Now, okay. in in '67, he looked to get help with his drug habit, and by the end of the year, his drug use was pretty much under control, and he sought to turn around his whole career. So, at the same time as this, Columbia Records, his label, underwent these major personnel changes, especially in the country music department. Yeah. Two, two guys that he had worked with before, Frank Jones and Don Law, who used to produce some of his earlier records. Okay. They, were, they were ousted from the label, and a guy named Bob Johnston was brought in. Okay. Now, Bob Johnston was known for being a little feisty. He would fight with record executives. He, well, uh, he was a producer? Yeah, I guess. he was a okay, producer, yeah. yeah. And yeah he would yeah. kind of like, you know, stick up for the artists he was working with and fight with studio executives on how would have to be released well, or recorded. It was like a new wave without that term, but yeah, new yeah. technology. And it's like, man, I'll make this fucking guitar sound better. Like, let me record this guy. Maybe. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. Columbia, Columbia at that time in the late sixties was, was kind of like ignoring their country music department okay and what they were favoring were more like other acts that were selling more and i think they just didn't know what to do with with cash for a while right so they they didn't want to put a lot of money into this it's not pop music it's not down downtown you know it's not nothing like that now johnston and cash met and cash kind of presented his idea and johnston loved it and he started calling around he called san quentin okay and he called Folsom, and Folsom was the first to respond that's the only reason it ended up being there first okay oh, okay yeah they just yeah sure yeah because they were the first ones to get back to him so, sure we'd love to have you come on yeah exactly now, now on january 10th 1968 uh johnny cash and his wife june carter checked into the El Rancho Motel in Sacramento, California. Okay. And they were later met by the Tennessee Three, his backing band, yeah. Paul Perkins, old friend. That's and, no joke. And, no, that's no joke. <laughs> that's and, no and, joke. And, and, and the Statler brothers. Also, Johnny's father, Ray, came along, uh, yeah. and Johnny brought his, his, his pastor, a guy named Reverend Floyd Gresset, along. Okay. Uh, really? he, used to, he used to go to his service in Ventura, California on Sundays, and uh, Gresset he brought him also, as a spiritual advisor. Spiritual advisor, but okay. Gresset also um, used to counsel prisons at Folsom. So he okay. was kind of the go-between. Okay, uh, that's kind uh, of a endearing, helped, friendly, yeah. a friendly voice. A lot of those guys probably never heard. <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah. You know, now, just, he, he, he came along and his efforts, this, this Reverend Gresset, uh, Reverend Floyd Gresset, yeah. his, his efforts along with Bob Johnston, the producer, really got that show organized and planned. All right. Yeah. So okay, there was, right, there was right. other people involved. Yeah. Now, the performers practiced for two days, which was unusual for them at the time. They didn't need that much practice before a gig. Oh, but yeah, but mainly, mainly they needed to learn a song. 
Right. A new, a new song called The Greystone Chapel, which was written by a Folsom yeah. inmate named Glenn Shirley. Shirley had recorded a version of this song and passed it to the Reverend Gresset. Okay. And Reverend Gresset passed that song to Johnny Cash. Could y'all please play this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I got it. I, I, I mean, how, how, think about that. No, that's a great how story, fucking, Michael. How that, fucking cool is that? Well, okay. yeah. that, that, yeah. you know, here's a guy. You're asking him to play your prison. He agrees. So not yeah. only is he going to, he's a superstar. Not, not only is he going to come to your, your prison and play, I mean, to people that are stuck in jail for life. Okay. Ba- back but, then, but, but, Michael, but, back, but then. back then. Oh right, right. Yeah. Back then. And, and they, there's a guy who, who writes music, wrote a song, sang a song. I don't know how he recorded it in jail, but I guess he was allowed to do it and, and pass this on. And then Johnny hears it and says, I'll do that song. I'll that, cover, that's, that's that. I'll do I'm, it for you. Well, okay. uh, you know, I mean, uh, that's Johnny. I'm sorry, man. He's yeah. like, he's like a friend. Uh, but yeah, no, yeah. Fuck yeah. I'll do it. Yeah, I'll do yeah, it. Yeah. You know? And just as a side uh, yeah. note real fast. Is, is, <laughs> yeah, go is, ahead. If you've ever, if you ever have a chance to catch any of the Johnny Cash shows uh, on TV that, oh, were right, on, right. that were on in the early 70s, late mm-hmm. 60s, Check him yeah. out because he actually, I think he brought Glenn Shirley got out of jail, and he and he brought him on one of those shows. And I've See, seen the I've seen the clip, and it, it's well, just he, amazing. He's just such a he was a pay it forward kind of guy. Totally, but, uh, totally. But uh, we're talking about banter and all, and um, you know, just get back on that tip. But uh, yeah, no, yeah. he showed up, and it was uh, you know, you got instant fans. They're in jail. They're like, yeah, we know who you are. Come in, you know, kick our ass. This is going to be great. Um, right. But there's a lot of good banter in between songs. Um, definitely, and, uh, definitely. And Johnny has that. Talking to the but, audience. And, you know. Well, he was relatable in prison, which is like you said, a lot of people were like, was he incarcerated? Like, I don't care. But he had that mythology surrounded him. He was never, he never did time. Like people, people used to think because of the song Folsom Prison that he actually killed somebody in right. time. Okay, which wasn't true. The most he ever did was a day or two in jail for like, you know, his them finding pills inside his guitar or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, a, yeah. Holding just to break, yeah, break, yeah. break his balls, you know. But now <laughs> right, he right. he decided to hold these two performances on January thirteenth. There was going to be a show at nine forty in the morning, and a show at twelve forty in the afternoon. All right, just so in, it, just in case the first one wasn't good. He was he was gonna you know have different shows to pick from. Pretty early though. I mean, yeah, kind of early for a show. Right? You know, I was yeah. just kind of cracking myself up. It is prison, so yeah. right. It We're not prison. doing nine thirty tonight. You know. Yeah. No, it's nine forty in the morning. Now I don't yeah. know. Get. I mean, but these guys probably get up at six o'clock in the morning. So that, well, yeah, yeah. They're, that, they're getting yeah. woken up. Yeah. Yeah. Now after during the show, um, they had an introduction by the MC. His name was Hugh Cherry. And he encouraged the prisoners to respond to Cash's performance, and right. I have re- I have respond in, in quotations. I think there was there was an effort to kind of control the audience a little bit. All sure. Right. Well, you got now, a bunch of yeah, a bunch of screaming inmates. Okay? Yeah, let's, so, let's be best behavior, motherfuckers. Yeah. Now you know, yeah. you know, you might remember this from the movie, but it actually did happen where where they they asked him. Please don't do anything that's going to rile anybody up. Yeah, don't worry. Yeah, don't and I think, I think, I think, yeah, and I think, like, you know, doesn't he get into the whole thing with like the water? Like, 
drink this uh, water here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's like brown water. Yeah. Well, again, <laughs> and I, I enjoyed hearing his banter because I, I did sit down yeah. with that record, and, I, and he was yeah. like, "Yeah," he was like, "I'm oh, sorry, boss." You yeah, know? and it was right. good to hear his voice again. Right. You know, but uh, but yeah. yeah, he was like, oh, "Well, tell me not to do it." Well, now I got to do it. Of course, that was his that was his way. You know, and so once again, a little punk rock, maybe. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Fuck you, man in black, man in black. Yeah. Now, that, there's yeah. uh, and that famous picture of him giving the finger backstage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, this prison show. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah like, yeah. like, like he gave the finger to somebody. Man, somebody why. owes that photographer about eight billion dollars. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's been used for everything. Stolen, yeah, yeah, yeah right. iconic photo. Right. Okay. Now, I'm listen. Um, yeah. Carl Perkins was the first. He only did. Uh, I think he might have only done blue suede shoes. I don't know if he just did one any, song. Any, one song. I, I would one hope track. he had. Okay. Yeah, and, and then following that, the Statlers brothers. The Statlers, they did "Flowers on the Wall" and the country standard song called "This Old House." Well, let me uh, just uh, let me let me ask a question because the yeah. Statler brothers. I mean, yeah. you know, I I think I heard about them in '81, but yeah, I guess the Statler brothers were around. They were so, they were around for a while. Uh, they started they, they, in the, they started in the '60s, and I think they okay. played into the into the '80s. They were traditional country guys. Okay, um, yeah. I have to admit I don't know a whole lot about them, but that song "Flowers on the Wall" okay. uh, was probably one of their biggest hits. And if you remember the film Pulp Fiction, there's that scene when oh, Bruce sure. Willis is in. <laughs> And he's yeah. listening to Flowers on the Wall, and he's yeah, and he's like, oh, it's gonna be Mar- all right. And he everything... sees Marcellus Wallace crossing the street. Yeah, everything's okay. <laughs> oh, uh oh, not not that. Let me yeah, unfinished yeah. business. That's a great right, scene. Right, 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 right. Um, now, now, no, the, but the Statler brothers, whatever. The yeah. Statler brothers. Now, yeah. Cherry, the uh, Hugh Cherry, came back on stage and he instructed the inmates not to cheer for Cash until he introduced himself, and they they listened. So okay. Cash right. opened up both shows. Now, how would he, he would introduce himself? Johnny Cash, you know, that's, that's right, how right. he sounded. So sure. he opened both shows that he did that day with a rendition of Folsom Prison Blues, followed okay. by several prison-related songs like The Wall, Dark as a Dungeon, 25 right. Minutes to Go, which is really like a, it's a joke about being hung. That's a gallows. It's yeah, a gallows. gallows yeah, it's a gallows fall. Yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. Now, following the song Orange Blossom Special, Cash slower songs like Long Black Veil, which is one of his best. It's incredible. Uh, yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. June Carter would then join him on stage for a few duets. Uh-huh. And after about a seven minute version of The Legend of John Henry's Hammer, Cash took a break and June Carter read some poetry to the inmates. Um, Cash ended both shows with Glenn Shirley's Greystone Chapel. Now, the second show, if you listen to the recordings, I don't know if I believe this because they were just so good. Okay. The, the second show was not as good as the first. Okay. Because the musicians were a little bit tired after the first show. Sure. Yeah. Only two songs were used from the second show, uh, the one being Give My Love to Rose 
and I got stripes. Well, okay. well, you know, yeah. Um, shit, I'll look at that tonight because uh, that's what this is about. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a, these live records. It's funny, you know, with like the Budokan thing. It is. It, they're usually an amalgam of some kind of a, a bigger picture. But uh, I don't know, capturing cash live then. Um, it, uh, perfect, I just can't. Perfect just, storm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just it amazes me yeah. sometimes. And cheap trick for me too, but, well, or whatever. You know, go, going back to even the Leeds album, okay, yeah. the the Who album. You know, with 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 Pete Townsend listening to like over twenty recordings of of Tommy and saying like this sucks and I'm gonna burn it. Oh well, and like what, like how, how do you like like how, I have uh, Michael, I've been that frustrated. And it's yeah, like Sean, really? Sean, we have all this footage of you. I, I just saw footage of me from the nineties, and I'm like, oh, it sounds terrible. I look great because <laughs> I was in my twenties, but yeah. I'm not going to burn it, but uh, yeah, that, that kind of frustration though. So, um, but no, you, you chose five great records, especially with, uh, I mean, Folsom prison, all of them, but, uh, you know, for that to survive, but, uh, you know, a common thread through all these records, nobody thought they were going to be that big or that yeah, memorable. They were surprised. They were surprised. And, you know, yeah. And I mean, fog hat for God's sake. So um, uh, they should have had a longer career. God bless them. Well, you yeah. know, I, I yeah. might do it. I might do a whole show on fog hat one day. Um, they just, uh, with MTV, like we touched on, but they couldn't survive that. They were, no, they wouldn't have survived that. Dude, they had beers. They weren't cute. No. It wasn't yeah. in the hair yeah. metal. That's another show. Yeah. yeah. They weren't pretty boy. You know, it no. wasn't. And, and, uh, and, uh, well, you you love your New York dolls, but I, you must have been rolling over in your life, not your grave. Oh, here we go again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, yeah, lipstick and fucking braces. Here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, now, the album release of At Folsom Prison was prepared in about four months, okay, to mix okay. it and everything. Now, Columbia, again, they, they put little effort into promoting it. The first single was the live version of Folsom Prison Blues. And it, as soon as it was released, it charted immediately, uh, okay. yeah. despite having very little promotion of it. Now, however... Well, forgive some, me, getting back on track, it, it wasn't a big... They, they were not going to push this uh, they, market. They, they, they weren't yeah, like they weren't gonna big live the album. Country. Okay. They weren't okay. going to push the country artists at this point on gotcha. Columbia. That was I the gotcha. problem with that okay. at yeah. that time. Yeah. Okay, but plus, like was, you said, Johnny's kind of coming back, hadn't had a yeah. hit in a while, you know. Yeah, well, okay. he he hadn't had the hit, but this would be a big hit. Okay? Yeah, I got you. I and then, of course, San Quentin the following year would be even better. Right. Now, what happened was in in uh, in 1968 on June 5th, Robert F. Kennedy was assassinated by Saran Saran, and radio stations, you know, the nation was in mourning, and the radio sure. station stopped playing the song Folsom Prison Blues because of that lyric, I shot a man in Reno just to watch him just die. So, oh, to, right. controversial. And, yeah, yeah too touch, people, people touchy, felt it was too touchy. Too touchy. Right. So uh, Columbia... I understand that, actually. Yeah. I guess. I guess. I, now, Columbia would, would remix it and re-release it without As. that they would take that out they, 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 uh, did they change it I like them they, they, they took it out they just <laughs> took the I lyric out a, you know Michael I'm a nut I prefer change you know I shot you know I, I met a man in Reno and then I said hi 
or something like that. Yeah, yeah. that would be ridiculous. Anyway, yeah. anyway. Or so, like you know, with like with the Stones on Ed Sullivan right. singing, "Let's spend the night spend together." Some, let's spend, spend some, some time, time together. together. Yeah. Well, that and back to Morrison, which uh, relates to Iggy Pop. But yeah, he, Morrison said, "Fuck it," you know. Uh, you can't he say just, he just, he just went in the camera's face and said it anyway. You know, oh, no, he, if you look at the footage, Robbie Krieger looks at him and like, "Fucking shit, fuck." And it was the only time they ever did Sullivan. And they were yeah, and I, back. He'll never play here again. He's like, I'm not yep. really that worried about that. And we and we have a show coming up soon, uh, very soon in the next couple of weeks on on uh, Ed Sullivan and rock and roll. Okay, okay, yeah. I'm going to do a show on that now. Um, they would release it. They change. They would cut that lyric out. Cash objected to the whole thing, but they did it anyway. Of course, of and course. The, the the new version actually went to number one on the country charts, okay. and got to top forty in the pop charts. Now the album went to number one on country charts, and it went to number thirteen on what used to be called the pop album charts. It was well, kind of like before they had Billboard. Help, help me keep my focus here. Uh, but yeah. uh, what, what year are we talking about? 68. Because, okay, so 68, awesome. Because the thing with Cash, I mean, we had Dylan, we had Hendrix. Yeah. All that shit was broken, man. People were going nuts. But Cash was um, a, a country artist, but not everyone in country probably liked him. You know, like, I don't, you he, know. Well, maybe, you know, maybe um, I don't like that. Uh, but but he by sixty eight, Sean. I just country, a man of country black. music. Country music had really gone out of favor on any kind of like popular level. There were they, they there was always a niche for country. Music. Here's what I, that's what I'm saying, dude. Okay, because, but well, he by, was bigger than that. He 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 uh, uh, in his career he transcended right. that. But See, he was at a low point. Okay. Right, right. Well, and, I'm just saying, I'm okay. saying back then, like you and me back then, we agree a lot, but can you imagine back then? It was like, well, Johnny, uh, can't you hear it? 26 year olds being like, well, Johnny's actually more of a folk artist. You can hear oh, it. They, you no, can no. hear him saying oh, it. Oh, you know? hold on, hold on, hold, hold the horses. Thing. You're absolutely uh, okay. right. Because what uh, was happening, uh, there was this under bubbling up thing where you had rock bands. Starting to get into country in '68, the Birds released "Sweetheart of the Rodeo." Sure, yeah. Dylan okay. went electric. Dylan went electric yeah. two years earlier. Sure, and and he was, at, you know, I think in '69, he did "Nashville Skyline," which had the song "Girl from the Northern Country" the duet with Johnny Cash. So, okay. so All there right. was this like cross pollination, for lack of a better word, of 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 country. That's folk. perfect. No, you no, know, I'm, and, I'm and, learning. I'm and, learning. And, and, yeah. and, and Dylan was like smack in the middle of that. Yeah. People, people, well, people, you know, I'm, I'm not the biggest Dylan fan, but there's things I do like about him. Well, you can't and, deny him. Yeah. No, I don't yeah, deny yeah. anything. No, I'm not, either, just, I'm not a big Dylan fan either. Yeah, and he whatever. just turned 80 recently. So God bless him. He did. But, Happy birthday. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, but, but, you know, he was giving songs to Cash. Like the song Wanted Man, okay, that Johnny does. Uh, I believe he does it on the San Quentin album. Okay, he, right, He right. would record it in the studio later on. Well, moreover, uh, he's hanging out with Cash. And, and, he's, and, and not only that. God, he gave him a shot the, in the, the arm ca- for the that Cash, career, didn't the, he? The Johnny Cash TV show, okay, which right. I wish one day somebody would put in a box set, okay? Uh, well, uh, well, tell me, Michael, was it a variety show? 
it, or it was I mean, really it wasn't what, sunny a, a, as Cher. I'm no, sure, it wasn't but, silly. Okay. Yeah, okay. Well, it wasn't like hee haw or sunny and shade. Right. Or something but they like bring that. I see he, I kind of remember he, it. He did he would he would play one or two songs. He would have new artists and he had Bob Dylan on. Okay. Yeah. And he had Chris Christopherson on. I love uh, okay. Chris okay. Christopher. Yeah. 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 You know, Sunday oh morning coming down. You know, don't say that. don't say that name in front of my mother. I'm she like, all right, Mom. Mom, I know. I know. She's a little, God, <laughs> God bless Judy Harris. They say, oh man, that Chris. But yeah, Chris Christopher, great songwriter. Yeah. And he got and anyway. the, the, the show. The show actually didn't last that long. I'm gonna uh, say the, yeah, the yeah. reason he got the show was it was based on his popularity of the two prison albums he did back to back. And CBS gave him. It was on Channel Two. They gave him the. Uh, you know, it was like I think it was only maybe two seasons or three seasons. What that, year was that? I'm sorry. I want to say. I mean, I want to say about seventy to seventy two. I could be wrong, but it was 70. in that area. Okay. All okay. Right. And, yeah, and yeah. I knew I have, saw reruns because I knew. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I was too right. young to see it live, you know. But but I re- yeah. I saw it in reruns and I've watched it over the years because I'm a giant. Cash fan, I've sure, searched it I, out. I get you, but and, it, and it was early. It was early in our lives, yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, now, but 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 the the problem with the show is the CBS executives felt that he they that he was having too many of these like hippie counterculture types on. Oh, okay. So too edgy. Little, too yeah, edgy. it was a little too edgy. Like having too... Bob having Bob Dylan on. Well, think about the world then. 1970. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Having Bob Dylan on a primetime show, I think it was even a Sunday night show. On okay. television. Okay, on television was a big deal. Yeah, we're trying to have some dinner. Yeah, we with, with this, this long haired, curly, curly American facade that, family. That can't sing. Yeah. Right. No, that's that's why I get hired, Michael. You look like an asshole from 1962. I was like, I'll take the I'll take the powder blue suit, thank you. Oh, you look great. Yeah, no, I was born the wrong decade. Yeah, but um, yeah, no, thank God because I, I wouldn't. I, I would. Uh, yeah, I was showing that music, but yeah. No, the era, but yeah, it, no, it's wild. But yeah, I can see why that TV show wouldn't work. But right behind it's Sonny and Cher, and they're like, well, this works now. But uh, I don't know. things were moving swiftly back then. But uh, um, Can you hear me? Yeah. Sorry, can you hear me now? Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, no, that's hilarious, but... Uh, um, how's Rob doing? It's your wait. That's me. <laughs> oh, I, I was gonna send somebody to check on you. No. Oh, oh Jesus Christ! Okay, you, well, you were snoring during the podcast. <laughs> I know you woke up. I think we lost Michael, um, but whatever. It, yeah, I, I ran to the bathroom for a little bit. Oh, that's all. Yeah, well, we heard you snoring. So don't hey, lie. I'm back. I'm back. Okay, no, I, I got Rob on the line. Hang on, let me wrap it up for Rob because I'm a because <laughs> I'm a fucking great guy. I'm a dick, but Rob fell asleep. He went to the bathroom. And he's like, "Hey guys, I'm back." Yeah. He's like, "We heard you snoring, Rob." But that's you know, okay. you know what happened? My 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 my, my uh, headphones fell out, and when that happens, you lose your mic. And yeah, well, how do you get back on? I I still I went back on by. Leaving the show and coming back in. Oh, yeah. You know, you know that happened to me one time, and I couldn't. I just heard you talking to the guests. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Oh right, right, sure. 
Well, you know, it's a new one, Rob. I'm just glad you're awake. I hope you had a good nap. And uh, <laughs> um, uh, but, Rob, we well, are going to. This is how Rob does audiobooks. He well, I, it on when he's when he's sleeping. So he listens yeah. to us like we were an audiobook. He's like, God, uh, this I, is I, really I figured, comfortable. I figured Sean would do a two part on Cheap Trick. <laughs> uh, no, uh, no, we no, we were not. We covered some shit. But Rob, you're the you're the tech guy on this, so we're gonna have to edit your snoring out. And uh, but we, I don't know. It's a pretty good. So far, so good. No, it's pretty good. We covered a lot of area. I drank too much during dinner, and this is, and we're over ninety minutes. Yeah, I know. I I know. Well, that's how we do. No, we're gonna wind it down now. Yeah, because uh, we got through all five. Yeah, I I think uh, I think we talked about some good albums here. I hope everybody liked the show. Um, Sure. Yeah. Well, Rob, make sure you record all this. Um, Everything's recorded. (laughs) It's being recorded. (laughs) I know it is, but uh, let me let me just start. God, fellas, it was so great to be back on the show. It's been a long week, but I mean, these are some great live records. And uh, let me try it again. Let me try it again. No, guys, thanks for having me. It's fun. You know what the thing is? I got (laughs) I got to remember every time we have Sean on because Sean's Sean could go into so much deal, so much explanation, because he's one of the best guests we have. Because nah. there's nobody better than you that freaking uh, Iron Man. And <laughs> well, we dove about into it. it. Well, lightning, uh, you know, strikes twice once in a while. But no, we had a good. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, uh, you know, Michael knows his stuff, and uh, um, yeah, I don't know some great live records. I hope uh, people search them out. You know. Yeah, I, I really feel these these five even. Even more than the last five we did, or or, or more important, um, Mike. I figure anytime we do like live albums like this, like five best albums, we got to bring Sean on. Okay. Well, well do I I don't know. I'm uh, yeah. Like I said, I'm real excited about the cheap trick records. Of, I knew you uh, were. Yeah. I figure he's going to talk for twelve hours. <laughs> uh, no, no. But anybody who uh, really, uh, they're all worth listening to, and uh, and you know, Michael explained most of it. But, Really. Yeah. But yeah. we love to have you on. So anytime. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, so let's uh, let me ask you, Sean, where can we find you? What's the best way to reach you if anybody wants to contact you? Oh, Sean Harris. Um, God, backstage, Sean Elliott Harris. That's two L's, two T's. Oh. Sean Elliott Harris on backstage. <laughs> OK. Yeah. 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 Uh, right. I know you got an Instagram account. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, but yeah, that's all artwork. They're all separate accounts. Um, you know, I don't know. Come to New York and you go to the East Village. I'll, I'll be hanging out. <laughs> You'll be found. You'll find me on the street. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, I'm sorry. That's a silly answer, but uh, that's all I got. But, uh, um, go to G. Yeah. So if you're looking for me, people, um, you can find me on, find me on Instagram, rockermike212. You can find me on MeWe under Rocker Mike. You can find me on Clout Hub under Rocker Mike. And you can find me on Facebook under Rocko Mike. That's a new thing, right? Yep, that's the new one. You can Rock-o find me Mike. under anything getting lumped up. Mm-hmm. And this was a mega show. Holy shit. Yeah, and don't forget about the Rock Show podcast group page on Facebook as well. We do a lot there every day. And yeah, uh, thanks to Sean Harris. He was a great guest. Rob Fulton Blues, that uh, Johnny Cash fifth album. I I I have heard that album as a kid. I own the album. Yep, it's a great album. It is. It is. So what do we got coming up? 
Holy shit, we got a lot of shit coming up. Hold yeah. on, give me uh, a next, second. Next week we're doing the show on Elvis and Johnny Cash, the Sun Records year. Yeah, the Sun. So we got Sun Records. about Johnny Cash again, yeah. Sun Records, then we got the Ed Sullivan and Rock oh, and Roll. Right, right. Skip Better and Ernie, and Ernie uh, Pink Floyd. Sid Barrett, right. Jeff Lynn and Rob Wood. Oh. Jeff Lynn and Roy Wood from from the Move and, and ELO and all that. You said we got this person, the the John DeMarcos, whatever. Oh no, Dion, Dion Demucci. Demucci, you say yeah, you talked to him. Show of Dion, the duop, Dion and the Belmonts, yeah, all that stuff. And then uh, Jonathan Richmond, the making of the Who, Quad Pulitzer, Sonic Youth, and the Watts. Yeah, we're gonna talk to yes now. Uh, I I sent you that thing today about Rick Fox. Yeah. To reach out to him. He used to play in Wasp. But uh, we're going to be doing a show on the heavy metal band Wasp in a few weeks. Um, and, yeah, I mean, even we've got a show on Sid Barrett. we got a bunch of things coming up that are going to be very interesting. Um, I think the Jeff Lynn, Roy Wood show is going to be very interesting because they're not very big in America, but there's a good story there. Of course – Jeff Lynn is from ELO. Everybody knows that. But they did work together in a band called The Move. And we're gonna, I'm going to talk about that. Fanatic when it comes to music. But, uh, you know, I got to tell you, I don't really know who the Wasp is. Is the only one? Wasp, Wasp had that song in the 80s called Fuck Like a Beast. Okay. And they got in a lot of trouble with the PMRC for that. <laughs> All right. They had other songs. They did a great cover of the Who's The Real Me. Okay. Uh they also did uh the song Wild Child. That was a big hit. I, I you know, when it comes to 80s metal, I'm not like a huge fan, but there was just something about this band. Blackie Lawless was the singer. Blackie Lawless goes back, he's a, you know, goes back to uh he even played briefly with the New York Dolls. So he it goes all the way back to that. Um, and you know, Chris, and of course, they're in the famous decline of Western civilization part two film, so uh, that's a famous scene with Wasp in it, but uh, yeah, and my guess what you know, how long we could go on these podcasts a hundred, a hundred, a hundred minutes, okay? So that's why it cut out, right? Yeah, it was was like you know, we can't go more than 90 of this, so it's a hundred, so it's uh, it's an hour 40 minutes. Okay, well, still a little shorter than the Iron Maiden show. That was two hours. Huh? So, All right, so thank you, everybody. And Rock and Mike, like always, thank you, and thank you, Sean. We'll definitely have Sean again. Yes, and remember but our say. Tw- don't get drunk and lumped up. <laughs> I'm Take lumped care, up. Everybody. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye. Podcast you will hear that will be music to your ears. You'll learn about bands you love or may not know, and it's only here on the Rock Show. Let's get lumped up on the rock show.